0: Welcome in to episode three hundred and sixteen of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. I am your host Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very unbelievably happy to be joined today by none other
1: than Sean Smith of Gobi Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? You, I'm i much better than what I was a week or so ago, and you know we talked earlier in the week about about the win against Ole Miss, but but this was one that really gets you back feeling good about what this team can be when it matters most. And it, it had to get one in that environment and it got in an environment where no one really expected them to other than you. But uh, I don't think anyone watching college basketball on a national level really thought Kentucky was going to go into a place where it's practically been impossible to win for years now. I, I mean, three losses
0: at Neville arena in three years. I mean, 43 and three is a, just an absolutely absurd home Environment that there is a reason why it is considered the best home court advantage in college basketball, arguably. I mean, there you know Lawrence and obviously at Rupp at its peak. You know that there's an argument there, but I think on a game by game basis, on a Tuesday night at 9 p.m., the peak of Auburn basketball in that environment is is up there nationally. Pretty pretty firm consensus that they're at least in the top three, top five. Um, So. Let's talk a little bit about that. Obviously, 70 to 59 victory down on the plains. Uh, Steven and I got there Friday afternoon. Um, we saw obviously the 40-point just curb stomping that they put on South Carolina two days before that. Um, immediately left to set up their Pearlville tent city. It was, you know, they they Tried to minimize the matchup by saying, "Well, <laughs> we do this for everybody. This isn't a. Super- we were there. We saw it. I'm here to tell you that this was the the Super Bowl of all Super Bowls. They could not have gotten more invested in this matchup and excited for this matchup. 72 hours out, where tents everywhere across campus with food trucks, and they set up a big projector screen with Mario Kart, and they had poker tables set out, and I, I mean. The all-in investment, you know, students skipping class to be a part of this. Basically, Big Blue Madness camp out at its peak. We got that on a Wednesday night in the right, in the middle of, a, of, of SEC play in, in February. They did their part. The fans did their part. So for Kentucky to go in, given the hype, the college game day, I mean, there was a line wrapped around the building when we got there, uh, and just the excitement, the buildup, and just the hype, Auburn... The Auburn fan base was looking for any reason imaginable, Sean, to bring the roof down, to, to, to kind of prove itself on the big stage of, you know what, we're going to dethrone Kentucky basketball as the king of SEC, of the SEC today. Like it kind of had that vibe going in. And the most impressive part of all this, I've already rewatched the game twice. The most impressive part of all of this, Sean, was every opportunity for the crowd to kind of take the game over and, and shift the momentum in a way that a young Kentucky team probably had every reason to kind of let go of the rope. They just had a response and a punch back every single time. I mean, even it wasn't just in the second half where it was kind of got down to five a couple of times and uh, you know, Antonio Reeves hit big shots, but even in the first half when they were kind of wanting to go into the half, okay, let's throw out the, or the ugly start, Get down 11 2. Let's claw back. And, you know, they got it down to, you know, got it down to four. And there was a moment there where it was like, okay, this is the time to kind of have the crowd take over. And Kentucky responds with a big three, pushes it to 10 at the at the half, and just really never allowed that fan base to take the game over the way it's, it has proven it's capable of doing and did, I mean, literally 72, 72 hours before uh, against at the time an 11th ranked South Carolina team. So, Sean. This team's ability to go in in what could have been an all-time atmosphere and make it kind of an overrated. Like uh, it was funny, Stephen, after the game said, "Is it just me or is this kind of this venue kind of a little overrated? Was that crowd a little overrated?" Well, Kentucky made it overrated. I think that was that was such a cool thing for this team to be able to go in and do, given the circumstances of the you know the statement needed when it needed.
1: Yeah, the the eleven two start there to open the game was the biggest thing for Kentucky was getting off to a good start in that environment. And I wasn't there to experience the crowd, but just watching it and then going back to the Tennessee game at Rupp, I kind of compared the two to where that was going to be a really good environment at Rupp arena for Kentucky, but the fans never could really get into it because Kentucky couldn't get over the hump to give them a chance to, it seemed to be the same type of flow for Auburn. They, They would get it to four or five, but then Kentucky pushes it right back out especially in the second half. Every time you thought Auburn was going to make a run, Antonio Rees made a shot, and we'll get into that. But just overall, I thought God, this has been a team that struggled getting out to starts, Jack, but it needed to get out to a quick one in that environment, and it did, and it never looked back. And I think that that set the tone. The, the defensive possession there early where they force a turnover and the ball out of bounds, that dictated the tone too on that end of the floor. So I thought Kentucky did an excellent job establishing who it wanted to be, how it wanted to play, and that it was there to pick up a big win. Now you can start throwing out any concerns of this team where they are when it comes to the NCAA tournament. A couple of weeks ago we had that conversation that if, if they don't get something, it's going to leave a lot to be desired. They now have it. Well, probably arguably the most impressive win in college basketball, given that anybody that entered that building was losing by double digits, not winning by double figures. So you go there and get one. It had to get one. We talked about it. It had to beat someone in an environment like that to really kind of shift this thing back in the direction of what we think. And, and man, they did it. Like, the the vibe has completely changed again. Give John Calipari and staff a ton of credit. Thought they had a great game plan and uh, did a good job coming down, coming into that environment and getting a win. And he was kind of feeling himself in the press conference afterward, you know. he. But just an unbelievable win. Their best one of the season by far. And it's one to build on. Back in the top 20, it doesn't completely cancel out what happened for three games, but at least gets the bad taste out of your mouth. And now you can start looking forward and thinking, all right, you're putting some good stretches together defensively now. And Ken Palm's reflecting that. Like this is a team that for all the fall has jumped over 40 spots in adjusted D in just a week. And it goes back to what I said it's marginal. Very marginal how you defend. And if they keep doing that, Jack, like this could be a team that maybe settles in somewhere comfortably on the defensive end of the floor. And how
0: cool is it that this was kind of a player-led movement? We talked about that after the Ole Miss game where we admitted after that game we loved what we saw Uh, with what Kentucky did on the defensive end. The opponent was who it was, but we just loved the tenacity it brought, that it brought the physicality in that one. And, you know, talking to the players after the game, and, and they said, we kind of came to Coach Cal and said, we think that we might be a pressing team. We we want to kind of set the tone early by guarding you 94 feet and just seeing what that does to us in the half court. Like, let's see if, if our approach guarding full court and, 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 you know, getting up in you for 94 feet – how does that translate to everything else in terms of just the engagement and, and, and the concentration and the focus? Maybe that's the the missing link here. Uh, and you know, we kind of said baby steps. We love what we saw against uh, against Ole Miss. I love that it was player led; that they kind of saw something and and practice it, and and it worked. It was for my money the best you know at the time the most complete game that we had seen from Kentucky uh, in a while that the Ole Miss win. But we wanted to see it against a team like uh, uh, like a team like Auburn. We wanted to see it a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense. How would they respond in that type of environment? Could it, doing it against Ole Miss is one thing just like we said the same thing about, you know, the way they they handled business at Vanderbilt the week before. That's one thing. It's a good thing. You you never apologize for SEC wins, but you had to show the same growth in that environment against that opponent. And for them to go out, throw that first punch, get up 11-2, but dig in defensively and come up with stops and just have the physicality and just bring it. Sean, they brought it in a way that we have not seen this Kentucky team do all season long. We talked about that fork in the road after that three-game home losing streak where we kind of said this thing could go south in a hurry if they don't figure something out. Just There has to be some type of improvement on that end or you don't want to talk about that possibility and what the other side of this could look like but the two extremes of this team could either miss the tournament entirely or win the national championship was the widest gap in college basketball and that's it was it was frustrating because you knew that it had that potential but it could also have the have the potential of of sinking uh, you know the ship sinking in a hurry so for them with their backs against the wall given the circumstances, given the situations leading up to it, for them to go in and throw that punch. I mean, man, that was that was the defensive effort all around from start to finish. The first complete 40-minute performance on the defensive end that we've seen from this group uh, all, all season long.
1: Yeah, and, and you mentioned it a moment ago, baby steps. it, it You're not going to, when you're defending the adjusted defensive number of 124 in the country, you're not just going to jump overnight and be a, a top five, top 10, top 20 defensive team in college basketball, but it comes down to breaking it down into segments, and I, I've been about that from start to finish the season to this point. How are you defending in a sample size of four to six games? And now you've put two back-to-back, back, and when you jump 40-plus spots and adjust to D, you are defending like one of the best teams in college basketball in that two-game sample size. So now it's about building on it for game three, game four, and let's look back on this thing here in another week, week and a half. And then let's dissect the numbers of okay, you got to win six in a row to win the NCAA tournament. What is this team defending like against good teams? Because this is a good stretch coming up. You got Alabama here in a week. You got LSU. Like there, there's some tough games coming up. But the biggest thing about last night, or not last night, Saturday night, is it gets you back in the conversation of getting out of Thursday in the SEC tournament. You're back in play for a top four seed in the league. You're actually back in contention to win the league regular season. You get Alabama coming to town here in a week that you can get a chance to to get a win there. It's at least put you back into good territory. South Carolina having some slippage after the loss at Auburn, and then they blow the lead against LSU. So you want to see Kentucky take care of business here in a few days, but it's at least put itself back in the hunt and seeding too. Like this could be a situation where you see Auburn and Kentucky kind of flip when it comes to seed lines here pretty soon, if Kentucky continues some momentum, but just getting a win in that environment and then leading for what? 38 plus minutes.
0: Not a didn't trail for a single, single second, 38, 39, uh, time leading
1: one twenty-one tied zero trailing. And and the points off turnovers too. Like, even though the, what was the overall turnover numbers? You have the box score there. Was it like 12 to 11 or was it anything or how, how many turnovers did Auburn have?
0: It was 12 for Kentucky and, uh, yeah, 12-11 um, differential.
1: And then the points were what? 70-50, uh, uh, like points off turnovers, 23-10. Yeah. All right, so that, that means Kentucky literally scored off every single Auburn turnover. That is sick. That's, that's what, that, and when you look at it like that, yes, the turnovers are the same. And this, this goes back to my whole offensive rebounding thing. There's always a number that you look at to see where did you really dictate what you did against this opponent. You look at those numbers even, but the points off of are nowhere close. That was a significant thing that Kentucky did, and that's taking defense and turning it into offense, which is what has been missing for this team. You have a good offensive team that was just doing it on the offensive end of the floor, but they weren't creating opportunities to get out and do it. They only scored 70 in this game, but it needed those defensive starts to turn into transition opportunities. Antonio Reeves hit a big in rhythm transition three in the first half to push it out to nine moments like that. And that's the biggest thing about his performance to me. It wasn't the most efficient. I believe he settled in eight of 20, mm-hmm. three of six from three, three of six from three missed a couple of free throws. Now the three of six from three is efficient, mm-hmm. but overall it's not his most efficient game, but it's not about the efficiency in this one. It was about the moments. When the shots came, where they came from, and how Kentucky needed them to continue putting Auburn away, those were big boy shots. That was an All-American type performance just given the moment, not the overall box score. It was did this guy rise to the occasion and make shots when you need him to, and he answered the bell there.
0: And how funny is it that his reputation up to this season, I think I think going into this year, and I think it's because – some of the loudest, biggest moments he's gone quiet, and obviously the Kansas State game kind of left you know a bad taste in some people's mouth, and he kind of had that reputation. But more often, I think this is the ninth game, true road game that Antonio Reeves has had 20 plus since he arrived in Lexington. Like, this dude has just guts, like, guts upon guts for him in those moments, and like you you talked about that in transition three to put it up nine, like that was probably like the sixth most clutch shot that he hit. But like, that was also a tone setter, the tone Antonio, ha ha ha. But, but like, there were four or five different moments in the second half by himself where it was just down to five, hit a three down to five, let's get a driving layup. Like it was just little chips here and there that That you go, dude, this guy, he is the anchor of this team. And I love, love that Cal kind of in the midst of of kind of grandstanding performance that uh, we'll we'll talk about in a minute after the game. But just addressing that Antonio Reeves is a pro. Like, we know that he's an All-American. If you don't see that as a national guy, you're wrong. And you probably just need to be watching him more closely because everything that he's doing up to this, this point in terms of, consistent overall efficiency and production. You're not just, you're, you're just not going to find it anywhere else in college basketball. He has lived in that 16 to 25 point range all season long with some outliers to, you know, the, 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 the greater end Cal singling him out and saying, yeah, he needs to be in the national conversation for some of this stuff, but he's also a pro. This is a guy that came in as a, tr- a true, catch and shoot guy that really didn't have a lot into his game He was a defensive liability, especially early on last season, grew a little bit as the year progressed. But, you know, he kind of even grew beyond just the 3 and D status. He became a true 3-level scorer where the the floaters, the finishing around the basket, I mean, the craftiness. I said like five shows ago that every once in a while, he'll just go up and punch it on somebody's head, and you're like, where the hell did that come from? This His ability to just kind of stack these efficient, productive games And in this moment for him to just rise to the occasion, every time Kentucky needed a basket, every time that Auburn was ready to kind of just take the roof off the, off the place, he just kind of said, this is my house. I'm, you, you guys can just, you know, do that for the next game. You, I I got this. I'll take this from here. Just awesome, awesome, awesome performance for Antonio Reeves, who is, uh, I think a draft, clearly a draft guy. I, I think, um, when we kind of look back on this he's probably firmly in that second round range but i i don't know how you're if you're a a draft a team drafting in the late first round that you don't look at what antonio reyes is doing and saying you know what that guy can impact winning at the highest level i want that i want that fit on my team because i think he's going to be around the nba for a very long time i think
1: he's i think he's got
0: the goods i really do
1: yeah and he he's now matching the moment and stuff with it. You know, that was a big topic going into the season was can you depend on him in crunch moments to where he can, you know, make shots for you to to win games and I know the Kansas State game is thrown out there a ton and the Kansas game earlier in the season, but he he's having moments and you still don't want all of it to weigh on him. Like you still want this to be a combination of Rob and, and Reed and everybody. And it, and it will be as you move on, but we were talking turnover numbers a moment ago and points off You can look a little bit deeper here, too. Offensive rebound numbers. You know, I I talked to you all in the group Saturday night that it was getting late in the game. I was like, there's only one area that concerns me. But then when I go back and rewatch the game, Auburn had like four offensive rebounds on one possession where it was just playing basically tip ball at the rim. They missed a couple of threes. But dig a little deeper in the offensive rebounds. You lose the number overall. Auburn grabs 14, Kentucky gets 10, but go look at second chance points. Kentucky gets 20, Auburn gets 10. That's another situation where Kentucky scored on basically every single offensive rebound it got. So when you're over, you're looking at numbers overall and the points off turnovers, the second chance points, you may have lost it when you had more than they did or less, but you made the most of your opportunities where Auburn could not. And that's growth to me in that area. So that you kind of look at those two areas of the game and you see in Kentucky, 18 to 24, the free throw line and stuff in a, in a tough place to play, like didn't shoot a ton of threes. We didn't see the 25, 26, 27, three point attempts, but the ones that Reeves made were massive. And I think that that's probably the, the big takeaway here is just how Kentucky was able to do this and win a game by 11 in environment where people have been getting beat by 40 and getting beat by 20, like, this – for where it came and how – the fashion that it came in, this was one of the biggest wins of the last five years in this program, just given what they had done to this point and what in the, the desperation of having to have it, if that makes any sense. It's not bigger than Kansas on the road at Kansas a couple of years ago, but it's up there in league play. Tennessee last year was a must-needed win for this program and the road to Knoxville. I compared it to that one Saturday night just because it was kind of unexpected, but just the way that they won both of those games, they kind of did things that the other team does well. And Saturday night, like they Kentucky did the stuff that Auburn typically does the people Kentucky didn't play. They they played
0: with desperation, but they didn't play desperate. They played with confidence. And so I, I, I mentioned this on the rapid reaction, but I got a text yesterday, the the day before the game, and, and, and I kind of put I put this on Twitter as well. Um, I guess it was in the hours leading up to the game. I woke up, I woke up Saturday morning and was like, "Man, this this game just has this weird vibe of Tennessee last year going to Knoxville as a ten and a half point underdog, where everybody in the college basketball world was just watching." watching for Kentucky's demise, like waiting for that moment of, okay, again, like the dethroning thing, like that, this is not, you know, a team with as much talent as imaginable that Kentucky has not living up to the hype. And this could be a kind of a breaking point moment of the season where things really start going downhill um, in the the statement win that, that it needed. And it just had that vibe of, man, I think that they're going to go down there and not just win, but win comfortably. Like I just have that weird gut hunch that this is going to be the Tennessee game of last year. And I texted, texted somebody from around the program that I, I kind of had that vibe to it. And the response I got back was, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to win this game. And I was like, huh, I, I like it. I like, I like that level that it wasn't a, we're going to go in and, and hope for the best. Let's just see if we can fight. Let's, it was a, no, we're good. We got this. Like it's that there was that level of confidence around the program that they were going to go in there and make a statement and the hours leading up to the game. And, you know, when we got there, right when the doors open for, um, you know, pregame shoot around and there was like an unseriousness with Auburn that they were just kind of joking around. Janai Broom was like staring down Kentucky during pregame warmups and shoot around 10 minutes left before tip off, they were launching half court shots and just like, it was watching them kind of go through their routine. It was like Auburn, Auburn is not taking Kentucky seriously. They, they think that they're going to steamroll us and not even really have to try for it. And Kentucky just had this sense of locked in and engagement that it kind of, you. I felt confident waking up that something was weird about this matchup. And as I inch closer, like the nerve, the nerves never settled in with me. It was like, I, I really think they're going to go in and there and win this game. And the, the, then when the ball tipped off for them to, tra- to take that mindset going in and turn it into an 11-2 win, I was like, not only do I think we're going to win this game, but I think they're going to kind of run away with it comfortably. And up 16 late, I mean, th- it was never close. I mean, this was a a an opening tip to final buzzer beatdown even though the 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 scored differentials only 11 like that was a beatdown and just the the moments the statements in those individual moments where you, this is the blueprint like this is the one thing that we they just had to see it it's it's one thing to say well you know if they just do this if they just lock in defensively well you know it's kind of a between the ears maybe they're not fundamentally flawed but They just don't have that, you know, something tangible to hang on to, to say, this is how you guard. This is how you defend at the highest level against an elite team. So for them to to do what they did and now have this on film and say this, just, just go out and do this. And this is also with, you know, they're they're Auburn fans saying, well, we just missed a ton of open shots and what, you know, the officiating we lost because the officiating will also understand, which, by the way, we'll talk about that stupid argument in a second with with what Bruce whined about at the podium. But Kentucky also missed uncharacteristic shots as well. Like you had Reed Shepard score four points, very timely points the mid-range pull up kind of to shut down some of the crowd stuff too you know four points from there's basically 30 seconds to play from Z Aaron Bradshaw zero Justin Edwards four Uh, I mean you know DJ still one of six shooting eight points with four turnovers like Kentucky played a flawed game as well but still dug in and kicked Auburn's ass like it was an ass kicking even with Kentucky not playing its best either so uh, it it was just really funny how Auburn kind of change the the narrative from well we we lost it you guys didn't come in and beat us we lost this and the, the refs cheated for us it's like understand that that Kentucky has been able to play this level of basketball and we've seen them play national championship level basketball offensively but now they have something tangible to hang on to a blueprint moving forward on the defensive end that's kind of a scary predicament for 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 the rest of college basketball we can kind of meet in the middle with Offensive growth and defensive growth. I, I, like,
1: I like this team's chances down the stretch. And, and now, to me, it's about getting to Saturday. Like, get through this midweek game. Because Saturday, to me, Jack, has a chance to be a really, really good environment. You get Alabama coming to town. Like that—that's the one that I—that I'm looking at. You can—you can kind of get back on track at home and and beat a really good team and a team at the top of the league right now. So, get through this week, and you already see, you know, Kentucky moves back up to to 17th and and stuff. Like if you don't have the stretch of home losses there, you're probably somewhere near the top 10 or maybe even a little bit higher, but it's still in a good spot, somewhere around the six seed line. You get these two this week, and then you start coming back and, and talking, maybe putting yourself in position to get a, a top four seed. The way the the SEC tournament bracket is setting up, you're going to have plenty of quad one opportunities coming down the close here. Like you're you're talking Mississippi State on the road, you're talking Tennessee on the road. You, you've got one against you know Alabama. Like there, there's opportunities there, and you're going to get them in the league tournament as well. There's still enough to to start putting that resume together. But this was one that you can really hang your hat on. Getting the one at Auburn, that's going to be one of those wins that when you line up on Selection Sunday and you're evaluating teams and Kentucky's got one at home against UNC Wilmington that's not going to look good. We, You can't even argue that one. You can't defend it. Yes, they were without D.J. Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw coming back, making his debut, but overall you just really can't dissect it anything other than it was a terrible loss. Now you've got one in addition to North Carolina on a neutral floor and at Florida – You've got something that could arguably be one of the best wins in college basketball this season, given how you want it and where you want it. So that's got that's going in Kentucky's favor, too, on Selection Sunday. Now, can you get another one somewhere here? Do you go on the road at Knoxville and close out the regular season with one? Can you possibly get them in the SEC tournament? Like, now you're, you've got three quad ones, and you're trying to start – I'm starting to see, can you get to six or seven? And if you get to that ballpark – I think this is a team that will be firmly in the top four seeds, which is where I want them to be. I I still think if Kentucky ends up as a sixth seed somehow, they're probably going to be better than a lot of the threes they would possibly face in the second round. But I still want to see them climb and be in that top four seeding, possibly move towards a three. I don't know how high they can get, Jack, but I'm thinking somewhere in the three to four is probably the ceiling where – I just don't see them doing anything down the stretch here that really drops them out of the six to seven range. But I, I think this is going to be a team that settles four or five in seating somewhere through there by the time it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, and you talked about the the trip to Baton Rouge on a Wednesday. That is, that's a, a a really really important one for you know sustained momentum. To, to you know, I want to see I, I, I want to see them get back to their offensive greatness. But I want to see another rock fight. I want to see them lock in on that end again and win a game close and continue that into Saturday for the environment because I mean that's going to be an offensive shootout no no matter how this all unfolds but I want one more locked in defensive game so we can get our own kind of big picture version of a kill three s- stops in an individual game for a kill three straight games of sustained defensive growth where the film is there, the the sample size is there. You're starting to kind of put together an identity on that end where you can kind of throw throw out some of the stuff, the struggles that we saw earlier in the year. Sometimes teams just click at some point on the defensive end. It, it, it's a mental thing, it's a physicality. They learn how to win in different ways. Where it was, you know, Kentucky made four, three pointers and one going away like they learned how to win in different ways and that's kind of a championship identity that's how you start building the bit the big sample size of okay here's what they are offensively we know that they have all those things but what can they what can their ceiling be defensively and it just it it felt so good Sean to just say how many times have we said we ju- they don't have to be elite on the defensive end they just have to make some strides just show us something and for them to go and show us that. I mean, that's an Auburn team that, again, top 10 nationally. They go in and and, and force them to shoot 30% from, from the field, 18% from three. I mean, that was – I mean, it was an elite defensive effort. It really was. They missed some shots, but they forced – they, they made nothing easy for them for 40 minutes. And we talked before the game, the game started. The second half was ugly, but Kentucky made it ugly. Kentucky – I, I loved – I just love the the digging. I love the fight, and if they can bring this fight every every single game, I mean, even fifty percent of the fight that they showed down on the plains, I, I mean, that's where you can start to get excited again and, and really start dreaming big. But you can't you can't regress down in Baton Rouge. You just go go continue that for me and get, give me three three straight defensive, uh, you know, high high intensity defensive efforts and. Then we can start talking big picture again.
1: Yeah, and and this is a team that, that they do a couple of things that already give you confidence that I, I think that if if the defense just continues to trend the way that it is, that you're not going to jump forty like forty spots every single week. Like, but that shows you how marginal this really is, right? That you can go. Sorry, dogs are barking here if you hear them. But if if you can go, if you can drop thirty and climb thirty all within a week, it just shows you how little the margin is like it's. It's not like that. You can't get it figured out and can't get it right. Like it shows you where the sample size is. That if Kentucky just keeps defending, then it can settle in somewhere. The offensive number doesn't move a ton. That's kind of established where they are. Defensive number is went up. It's went down. It's went up. It's what's down. It's crashed, and now it's climbing up. I mean, it looks like the stock market. Like you, know, I'm talking when, <laughs> when you when you watch Kentucky's defensive numbers and adjusted D. But overall. The things that they do well that give me confidence, they're efficient offensively, but they don't turn the ball over. If this were a team that struggled to defend and had some of the defensive flaws that they still have, and they still had some of them Saturday, Auburn missed some open shots, Reed Shepard gave up a flex cut that he just had no idea where his man went, and Auburn could not convert it into points early in the game. Little breakdowns like that are still going to be present, but this team doesn't turn the ball over and throw possessions away. That is a big step in the right direction, too, for this team when it comes to the overall look of what they are entering the NCAA tournament. A team that values possessions, if they start valuing them defensively the way we've seen them and they build on that, then I think you have the look of a team that can go on a run and and beat just about anybody in college basketball. So it's at least trending in the right direction now. Like I, I feel better today about what they can be in four weeks than what I did seven days ago when we talked. So they're at 81 right now. On in defensive efficiency,
0: what number do you want that to be at by the end of the regular season to make you think that a, a run is is on the table here? Like, what 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 do you think that number needs to be? You know, to to continue making these steps forward to
1: make you think that a, a run is on the table. I guess you you want to look at it kind of deeper, so. If you click on the adjusted D category there, you can just see the adjusted defensive rankings, and I'm, I'm trying to pull them up as I'm talking about it. But I think Kentucky was 102.4, and now they're what? 100? What's their number? 100.9. 100.9. So when you look at those teams, so right now Kentucky is 81, and I'm what I'm seeing in my frame is Pitt is 62 at 99.9. So the jump that Kentucky just had, if it has a similar jump again from just one game, you could jump all the way into the top 60 in that number. So that that's what you kind of look at. But then there's then, then you start to see the teams that are really defending. And it's going to be hard to get to where Wake Forest, UCLA, and those teams are in the top 30. That's tough. That's, that's a pretty steep climb. To me, it's about getting in the top 55. If I see them start getting towards that, then it's not 55. It's 55 for the overall body of work. But what is it in the in the week span of two to three weeks? It's probably top 20 in the country. When you go from 124 to the top 55, you're defending like one of the best teams in college basketball in that stretch, closing stretch of college basketball season. That's what I'm looking at more. So if they get to 55-50, it's really probably top 15. And that's what we're going to continue to talk about on the show the next few weeks. And that's how I want to weigh this and view it, is it's not necessarily the overall body of work. It's more so, what are you doing in the closing weeks, getting to the point where it actually is, what do you do? Are you winning or are you going home? Because if you remember the matchup against Providence last year, we talked a lot about offense. And Providence was actually trending in the opposite direction late in the season, even though their number was here. They were actually, I can can't—I think it was the offensive side. It might have been defensive, but there was one side that it was this number, let's just say 50 or 40, but they were actually performing at like 140, 145 over a 10-game stretch, and it kind of reflected it in that game. That's what you want to see. So is Kentucky sitting at 55, but are they actually defending like a top-20 team? And that's all that matters. I believe
0: Baylor, in their twenty twenty one run, closed out the regular season at forty five and then won the title at twenty two. So they were the second best offensive team nationally, which I think Kentucky is still in the ballpark there. Obviously, they're, you know, one of the best offensive teams nationally. But you know, that's kind of a similar similar vibe of what I was saying. Like just and that was also why it was so alarming when they went through that stretch and why we said, we're not giving up on this team, but the red flags and the sirens are starting to go off because they are trending in the wrong direction with no real sign of recovery. Like we didn't have anything to hang on to that said, ah, there's going to be the breakthrough moment. That's what, that's what it looks like. what What a good defensive effort with this team would look like. We hadn't seen that for any semblance of a consistent stretch at all, all season long. So it's just about the baby steps forward. That's why I love the jump from Ole Miss to to you know Gonzaga to Ole Miss to the last week of defensive basketball to to Auburn is is just so refreshing and and just that's what you need. That was the one thing that we were missing with this team. I'll take the offense. I'll trust the offense down the stretch. I, I don't care if. I I feel confident about that group. We just had to have something tangible on that end, on the defensive end, and we have now gotten a two two game sample size of it. Now we got to make it three uh, down in Baton Rouge. Uh, Sean, a
1: couple couple other takeaways. Do you, do you have anything else before, before we want to move on? Yeah, I was just going to say this. So, you know, I, I hope people get on Kim Palm and kind of look at what I'm talking about and what you're talking about as, as they listen to this episode. So if, if you don't, you know, just pull up Kimpom.com and you can see the adjusted D numbers just by clicking on adjusted D at the top and it breaks it down, you know, top all the way to the bottom where they're ranked. But the mark another
0: day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where Bank of America can help for your financial to do's. Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you
1: at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Margin jack, like Kentucky right now, you know, 100.9, 81st. The 71st team in that category is 100.5 and that's Minnesota. Like that's not a wide margin at all. Like if you, if you defend well for this game in Baton Rouge, you can have another double digit jump in Ken Palm. So that, that's where we're coming from, that this thing – that you don't have to be elite. You just have to continue to take steps towards getting better, all that into the floor, and then the number kind of looks what it looks like. But we'll be able to break this thing down in a sample and a segment here pretty soon and kind of dive in. And I'm, I'm trying to get it to five to six games because two, two is a small victory. For this team, it's probably a large victory because we hadn't seen them defend at all. But overall, as a coach, you're looking at it a week-by-week basis – Back to that C word that I keep using, consistency. You want to see it carry over. It carried over to Auburn, big time. Now you cannot go and lose a game that you have to win. Like these are the ones you can't slip up in. LSU, Vandy, those opponents you can't slip. There there cannot be slippage there. Those are the ones that crush you in resume. You got to go and beat them, and then you set up an opportunity against a team that's also in a similar number of you. In adjusted D in Alabama and a team that's leading the league right now. Like th- this week that they just finished, if you build on it and have another week like this, and you put together a four game winning streak and you beat a couple of teams that are right there in NCAA tournament, top four or five seeds in the tournament. Now you're starting to talk about what Kentucky can do when it matters. And I think that's probably going to be the biggest takeaway. How do we view Kentucky six days from now? That's going to be the big discussion. Can they build on it or do they have some slippage again? Because I don't need slippage. Not anymore. Everything's forward from here. Just keep, keep giving me baby steps. Let's
0: um hit reset very quickly uh, with a message from our latest partner, Monticello Bank.
1: Well, hello, Cindy. A lot of banks are changing hands these days. Not Monticello. We've been building relationships since 1895. And with each passing year, we've grown. Hello, Cindy. Hi. And expanded our services to meet the needs of the communities we serve.
0: Aren't you forgetting something?
1: Monticello Bank, Equal Housing Lender Member FDIC
0: source to say podcast is also brought to you by andy Ludicky and my andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets financial requirements time to commit and more his services are 100% free and he is here to help if you have any questions about business ownership you can learn more and contact andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net um KSR is also thrilled to partner with our good friends at Fayette Heating and Air and H2O Maestro. Their team of experts are ready to handle all your heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical needs to learn more and, uh, or to schedule an appointment, visit FayetteHeating.com, your number one complete home solutions company in Kentucky. Uh, Sean, we can't go any further without giving a, a dude the some props, man. Like we we talked about it, Antonio Reeves and his All-American candidacy uh, and, and he, how deserving he is of that. But how about a Thero? Obviously, the points and the you know the, just the box score looks good for him, 14 points and eight rebounds. But he had also a couple really timely moments where Antonio had the big shots that kind of shut up the crowd. But if you're talking about not only shutting up the crowd, but like making their jaws drop to the floor, the fans' jaws drop to the floor on some of these throwdowns, I mean, he had that one where he just elevated to the rafters and threw it down on the lob, uh, just sick. But he also had that that bucket late where Auburn was kind of going on a little mini run there. That was you know one last effort to to try to you know get back in the ball game with th- three ish minutes left. Uh, and and Adu came up with a big big dunk, uh, you know baseline dunk, and just I mean that ended it. Uh, he he sealed the win with with that that ba- that baseline dunk late. So. It, it feels like Ado, in the biggest moments this season, he had the Kansas game. He had UNC with the blocks. He, you know, even performed well, uh, big picture with uh, the Tennessee game. They, they lost, but he had a really solid game. And now, two of the last three games, he's gone for 14 and 15 points, rebounded well, defending well. He's doing all the little things that make you kind of see the vision with him long term of what his potential could look like. And what's fascinating to me with Adu is that I still don't even think he realizes just how big, strong and athletic he is. Like he feels just like a hair away from being a legitimate superstar. Like he, he feels like he's trending in that direction and having those moments while still kind of flailing going up for, you know, contested layups instead of Just bulldozing through and dunking over somebody like he's clearly capable of doing, he kind of flails himself and kind of goes tries to go around the you know BJ Boston flipsy dudes that Cal would talk about. Adu Thero feels like he's a, a half realization away that you know hey I'm the biggest strongest most most athletic guy on any floor that I step on from being a superstar. We kind of got the vision of that down down on the plains, and and he had uh, some unbelievably timely moments that helped seal seal the um, very impressive victory.
1: Yeah, since he's returned, like he's had some highlight plays at the rim where he's just had some massive dunks, and it's none of them are just like simple dunks. They're all like, oh my god moments. Like he he put one back with his wrist a couple of games ago. Like never even got his hand on the ball. And, and put it back. So he adds a physicality to this team that just changes them on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. Now, late in the game, it looked like Auburn was trying to force him, especially in the second half, to have to make more decisions, which I want to see how Kentucky kind of adjusts and, and handles that moving forward if he's going to play a ton of minutes. But overall, his impact and what he does, there's no one else on this roster that can match it. And that's where his value lies. If There's a lot of guys on this roster that are similar that they do some similar things. They, they shoot it well, or they handle it well, or they do this well. He does a lot of things that other guys just cannot physically check boxes off in categories. The physicality side is the biggest one, and he just brings an edge about him. He's getting better and better, Jack. Like This is a guy that I don't even know how much in his mind he actually thinks about the NBA on a daily basis because he seems, he seems to be your typical college trajectory guy, and the guys that Cal hasn't really had here, but his development over the course of last year to this year, and even the development this year from beginning till now, it's been really impressive. And he's a guy that Kentucky needs, but then you talk about the rotation that Kentucky put together. He's finally settling in and playing about seven guys and the minutes reflect it. And I think that when you look at this, you get a rhythm and you get some consistency on both ends of the floor, especially defensively. And you're starting to see Kentucky defended a better clip. And I don't think it's a coincidence. It's because they're playing fewer guys. And I think you're settling in on a rotation, and that establishes who you are and an identity, and you don't have as much shuffling. Even though Trey's out, you didn't shuffle a ton Saturday. You found out what you wanted, and you stuck with it. And I think that that was a big credit to John Calipari for doing that.
0: And how interesting is it that, I guess that was something I was keeping a close eye on. And part of the reason why I was kind of so upset that Trey went down with his second injury that he had just gotten back with a back and then you know suffers the shoulder. It's like, damn, man, because going into that game, I had heard that Cal said, sorry, we're not playing the politics game anymore. We're going small. We are cutting the rotation and it is what it is. We're going to play these seven to eight, you know, playing these eight guys with a B being the ninth and Z is out. Jordan Burks is out. You know, we, we love you. You know, Cal kind of went through his, have you over for breakfast. You can spend the night at my house, but we got to, we got to roll with the guys that are going to you know contribute to winning right now. And when Trey went out 21 minutes into this plan uh, at, against Ole Miss, I kind of had that moment where I was like, damn, Right when we kind of had that that plan of we're, we're tightening things up, we're rolling with this rotation down the stretch. With Trey out, you kind of have to adjust with that. To this staff's credit, they kind of looked at that and said, eh, Trey's out. We're still going to roll with, w- with our seven. And A.B. had three minutes. Z. technically had one, but really it was... 30 seconds and jordan burks just kind of played some spot minutes uh with with Adu out and and you know justin replacing re- replacing him but the core rotation was seven and ugo emerging 36 minutes seven points three or three shooting 11 rebounds couple blocks I mean, ugo, ugo was terrific for where he came from when he su- decided to return in the first place then suffered the injury then came back and was you know He will admit, so all this stuff that we said about Ugo going into the year, about how he was behind and how we didn't know the fit, Ugo has said that like four or five times now where he said, I didn't see a role for myself on this team. I was at my all-time low in my basketball career of going, man, I might not just be good enough to be on this team. I don't know where I fit because everybody else is clearly better than me and their roles are carved out. How do I fit into this mix? And for him to take that information and say – yeah, I might be on the outside looking in with this rotation and just say, you know what? I'm going to prove what I can do in the minutes that I that I do get. And I'm just going to keep digging and keep taking those baby steps for him individually. And now he is the anchoring five. He has carved out that role for himself as Kentucky's starting five and playing the best basketball of his life, given the opportunity as well. So talk about, you know, next man up. You know, one man's uh, misery is another man's opportunity. The Ugo is the living, breathing example of that, and he was just as big of a of a contributor to that win. You know, hard fought rebounds, blocking shots, finishing around the basket, that one punch to close out the game. Uh, you know, to, to win by double digits, like he he was really, really impressive down on the plains, and
1: and just starting to put together really, really impressive stretches of basketball. Sorry if you heard me uh, yell at my dogs. They're going absolutely insane here. But, uh, but no, Ugo, to me, has, has been a guy that we kind of talked about it going into the season, Jack. Like, he was going to be the guy that was getting back the latest, that it was going to put him in a position to make things really hard on him. But credit to him, he came in with the mindset, and he adds shot blocking. He adds size. He adds he's been rebounding the basketball. I never thought we would get to a situation, I'm just going to be honest this year, where he was playing 35, 36 minutes on the road at Auburn. With three by Aaron Bradshaw. Three minutes yeah. for Bradshaw. I just never saw that ever being a scenario at any point. And credit to him for not just proving us wrong, but proving everybody wrong. And I think maybe even proving himself wrong, too. And they needed somebody to just grab a hold of it. And to me, they don't have to be elite. It just take control of it so this rotation can then settle in. And if it was Bradshaw, it was Bradshaw. If it was Z, it was Z. If it's Trey, it's Trey. They just needed some consistency and something to kind of settle in. And I think now you're starting to get some structure to who Kentucky is. At one point, it was just score, 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 regardless of who was on the floor. Now it's some structure-based stuff. And I think having a rotation is step one to getting it there, and, and they've settled in on one now. And I think that's probably one of the biggest storylines that's happened in mid-February with this team is the shrinking of the rotation. And it's some guys out of it that I just never thought John Calipari would move out of it. I'm just going to be honest here. I thought Aaron Bradshaw would play minute after minute after minute after minute given who he is what his potential is, what he's billed as being entering the season, I thought there would be a lot of pressure to force it. Credit to Cal. He's not forcing it. He's given this team the best chance to win and Ugo's given them the best chance the last few weeks. I I never saw it. I, I'll
0: be totally honest. Never never thought we'd see that day come. I, I just three three minutes for Aaron Bradshaw. I mean, that, that, that deserves, I mean, that takes balls. So I'll be totally transparent that, that takes, that takes balls given the connections, given the, the politics, given all of that stuff and credit AB as well, because he's also doing a bang up job on the bench and not becoming a distraction given the role diminishing. Like it could have been really easy for that stuff to grow loudly and have it kind of become something. And it has it like that. That also takes some, some, ownership on his end as well to to not just assume the minutes are going to come because of what his name is and what his connections are and what his star rating was like it it you know he deserves credit as well we we're not seeing the distractions we're not seeing the outside influences you know make their mark it it the group is good that it, we're still even with the roles changing and the minutes changing the the camaraderie is still where it needs to be. And I mean, shoot, Z played like 38 seconds and was still the biggest cheerleader on the bench and just Mr. Rah Rah, like good for him. That, that That's a really important thing, an underrated thing that I think, um, I'll be honest, I didn't think that was possible going into this year, C- you know, considering how many influences are a part of this team in, in just today's college basketball world. I just didn't think that was possible. So uh, credit for all involved for uh, keeping it that way. I want to kind of
1: go for it. you. Gotta, what you yeah, got to We having some major issues over here. If, if you if you wonder why I'm laughing, uh, it was my light a couple of weeks ago. Well, my mic just fell and I caught it midair. So uh, if, you, <laughs> if you go back and you watch that and you see see me just kind of make a quick reaction, my reflexes still work because uh, I'm basically holding my mic in the palm of my hand. So we're gonna push this bad boy out. <laughs> we're we're all good.
0: Um, let's kind of wrap this thing up with. To a very weird press conference, very bizarre. Um, I mean, I guess it's not bizarre because it's Cal, and I mean, you know, that's that's who he's been for forever. But uh, he walks in to the. Did you did you see the video of it, Sean? Yeah, yeah, I did. So he throws the door open and just sees the sea of media. And I mean, it's shoulder. I mean, we're packed in there like sardines. There's not an empty chair in the place. It's standing room only. I mean, we're all just sitting there door swings open. He just kind of has this, like, ah, all of you humans that doubted me. And it wasn't directed toward, it was hilarious because the Auburn media had no idea what was going on. They were like watching this unfold and like, like half chuckling to each other. Like, is this dude serious? Is this like a normal thing? This is this every post game press conference with this guy. They were just bewildered. They did. They just flabbergasted, had no idea what was going on. So that part was entertaining and watching that part unfold. But he basically went around the room shot after shot after, like a, like a sniper, like just taking out one narrative at a time. And you know, I don't think the the grandstanding was totally necessary. And I think uh, would I have preferred him talk about how dominant his team played and the defensive growth and how there was now the blueprint for them to understand what that like? Would, would that have been? But there was also a statement to be made of don't count us out quite yet. And you want that. I don't care what it takes for your coach to get going and what kind of drives him and the chip on the shoulder. I don't care because he coached his ass off down uh, in, inside Neville arena and his team put together the best 40 minutes of of basketball all season long. So if that's what it takes for him to, to have enemies create them fight off certain narratives and kind of just have it become something like that, keep it up. I, I don't, I don't care. Like I, I, I totally support it. Um, If that's the product we can continue to see down the stretch and into March, have as many enemies as you need and snipe every one of those narratives that you need because that was championship level basketball. And it was hilarious watching it unfold because he was like not naming anybody individually, but basically going out of his way to take the individuals in their their the things that have been kind of surrounded you know nationally and you know the, the athletic article and all that. Stuff. like he was singling them out without singling them out and if that's what it takes so be it
1: yeah i'm with you like he uh he obviously walked in and definitely felt like <laughs> that there there was a lot of uh people believing that they couldn't go in there and do what they just did and i think that was and i i, I would have loved to have seen the auburn crowd Dude. <laughs> not know what was going on and who he was talking about. Because well, he
0: left. He like he stood up and left after six minutes because he said, "I got to get to Indianapolis because I have six guys that are about to play in the All Star game." Peace out. Like he just stood up and left, and they started chuckling. Like they all laughed audibly afterward because they were like, "What the hell did we just watch?" It was it was hilarious, and
1: so be it. If that if that's what it takes, so be it. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm with you there. Like he just seeing him stand there and give that opening statement. And then he does his whole, yes, you know, like, like, yes. And I'm just like, (laughs) this man, like, you could tell that the noise has been there and around this team and stuff in the last few weeks. And you could tell that he's heard it and he's, I don't want to say he's listened to it, but he certainly heard it to the point that Saturday was kind of the, you doubted us and here, look what we did. Everything's going to be fine. I mean, a a week ago he made his, we're built for March. And not everybody accepted that well because that's been the motto and the line for 15 years now. But March, they may have been built for March, but March hasn't worked out for them in a long time. So I don't think people really accepted that too well a week ago. People didn't accept him not doing his post-game radio show a couple weeks ago. We talked about that. But for all the doubting and negativity and stuff, I think it all kind of came out for him in that moment Saturday night. And he was just there, and he was like, "Ah, you know, this is my moment, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to let you all know. And I would have loved to have seen Auburn, though, and the people there. Because that's that's not the biggest media room, and they pack you in, like, in corners. Like, they're, I've seen a 100 people fit in that room, and I still don't know how and you got some national guys there not those guys know how cal is but those local reporters they have no idea what they're (laughs) what they're they're dealing with and i can see it now how confused they were of like what is this guy talking about so
0: i i asked a few people around uk like did he was that planned like did he know who was in that room and kind of like came up with his own internal script And they were like, I mean, he was aware of who was there, but there, it wasn't a, it wasn't a planned thing. Like, it wasn't like he was telling people behind the scenes, like, watch this, wait till, wait till you see how wait till you see what I do here. It was, it was kind of an impromptu thing where I think he opened up the door, saw the faces and was like, what, what were you, what were you coming here to write? What, why were you here? I bet it wasn't for what you're going to end up writing. Like it was and I appreciate that. But on the flip side of that, you can't now now by laying it out there, you can't go down to to Baton Rouge and 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 regress. You 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 have now called your shot. I totally respect it. But you also can't follow that up with a stinker at LSU like you 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 have to keep taking these steps forward you can't just get you can't give the ammunition back to the people that you have fired shots at now like you you have to you can keep firing but make sure you're on target because if you miss they're going to throw those bullets right back at you well as even louder like they they are now waiting to blow this up even further don't give them a reason to keep taking these
1: steps forward go take care of business in in Baton Rouge. That's all I I I call it slippage. You can't have slippage. The foundation has to be solid. And to me, last week, they built a foundation to now build upon. They were missing a foundation on one end of the floor. They had it offensively. You can't have any slippage now. You want to continue seeing this team trend in the right direction, and they put themselves in a position to do that. Wednesday night, it's a short week. It's a it's a long week from Saturday to Wednesday, but the turnaround from Wednesday to Saturday playing Alabama at in is a short week. So, no slippage. No
0: slippage. Well, Sean, this was a blast. I It felt good. It was a fun trip. Oh, I, I, there was one thing I wanted to, you know, the, the bitching of Bruce Pearl. I definitely wanted to hit on that. Didn't want to get out of here without acknowledging how absolutely ridiculous that was. Um, so, I will freely admit I like Bruce Pearl. I think off court stuff aside like you know the history the the cheating scandals and you know if you really look back at what he did in the past and what he got in trouble with the NCAA would they still be the same in today's college basketball no but i don't ignore that stuff he, what he has done to auburn basketball and making it a relevant household name i really respect I think that they ha he has that fan base wrapped around his finger and he has done some, he has made Auburn basketball, something people talk about. Uh, we were at a, a wing joint on campus and there was a, the owner of it was talking to us. Obviously we were wearing our, our KSR stuff and you know, Kentucky, they were asking questions about you know the, the team and all that stuff. And we were asking the same follow-up questions uh, to, to them about Bruce Pearl and, 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 they described it as what Nick Saban was to uh, Alabama football, from in terms of a rele- like in terms of national relevance and what it was when he first got there into making people care around there. Obviously, it's not a dynasty and on the plains, obviously, but the the fact that he has turned it into something people care about down there in ways that they never had in the past is impressive. I, I thoroughly respect it, and that's why I like him. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. He's a, you know, just big personality guy. I respect what he has been able to do um, down, down at Auburn. What I don't respect is when you get your teeth knocked in, because your team plays arrogant, they're going between the legs in transition and making stupid one-handed passes and shooting half-court shots 10 minutes before the game starts. When you have a team that is clearly unserious going into that game, don't blame the officials like a coward after the game. Especially when you lost the, the, the foul numbers uh, pretty handily and the free throw numbers. Like there was a pretty clear advantage in the two easiest things to look at in terms of how a game was officiated and who was on the receiving end of a well-officiated game that favored your team. Like, we could see with our own two eyes. And after re-watching the game, I got more pissed off about it because there were so many calls that I was like, that's missed. That was an obvious one that the, the officials favored Auburn. It was one after, I don't think it was a well-officiated game, but I think you, you'd have to be blind to think that if there was somebody that was favored out of the two, that it was absolutely not Auburn. So for him to use that moment, and he said some of the right things to start with. He said, got to give credit where it's due. We were outplayed. You know, got, got to give credit. Like he said those things, but then said, yeah. oh, they were physical. All right. They sure were. In fact, they were so physical. There were a couple plays that I'm going to send to the league. Shut up. Like, dude, don't be a coward. Yeah. Take, you were being a sore loser. Take the loss and move on.
1: You have they a very that. good
0: basketball team. Don't be a coward
1: yeah he and then he was very just animated on the sidelines too which bruce is an animated person and it it's it's the best and the bad of him probably but cal wasn't the guy crying any saturday night it was bruce the entire time and you mentioned some of those passes and stuff like the behind the back passes and stuff in transition like i mean they're look there were bad calls both ways saturday night absolutely there were some touch calls that were being called both ways And the second half was hard to watch, and it was hard to establish a flow, which is why it was so important Kentucky had the lead at the half because even if the roles had been reversed, I don't think anybody was really mounting a comeback the way the second half was officiated on both ends of the floor. But you can't go into your press conference and and cry and complain and say things like that. You can't. You have too good of a basketball team that can beat anybody in the league. That's one of the best environments in college basketball, but it also shows you the, the magnitude of the moment. Even though Kentucky was number 22 in the poll and had lost three in a row at home, a few weeks ago it's still kentucky and bruce was amped up for that opportunity regardless of where kentucky was so that says a lot about kentucky my left arm is going to be significantly stronger (laughs) by the end of this episode i mean
0: 30 free throws to 24 for auburn versus kentucky 16 fouls called on auburn 23 fouls called on, on kentucky and and You know, even just the the box warning called on Cal when you have Bruce just yapping and yapping and yapping. Bruce was more focused on the officials than he was on the game itself. And you could see the lack of discipline and some of the the chaos that you saw with the team that they kind of needed Bruce to reel them in at times. But he was so invested in harping at the officials and making that become something bigger than it needed to be. That he kind of left his team out to dry in so many different points. I was like, damn, he is he is on one with the with with the officials and they let him just ber- berate them. And then he still has something to say afterward. You are on a struggle bus of all struggle buses today. I'm
1: I'm having some slippage myself. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, well, before your your arm falls off because you're trying to hold up your arm, mic Mike, Mike arm for the rest of the show, let's go on and get out of here um, so I can not blow a gasket and, and have an aneurysm about how Bruce Pearl was a, a whiny baby at the end of that. So uh, great win, man. I, that was a blast. I, I love the environment. I love that it wasn't a next level environment because Kentucky decided that. And that was an awesome thing for them to go do. They went and and got the statement win of all statement wins, something they needed, but all eyes are on Wednesday. Got to go win uh, down, down in a tough kind of sneaky, tough quad two game, uh, in, in Baton Rouge and against an LSU team that has some talent, um, Gotta win that one. Gotta just figure out how to keep keep stacking these solid defensive performances together. Go go steal a win down there. And then let's uh push all of our chips in on Saturday and see see how uh things unfold against the hottest offensive team in college basketball. I think it's gonna be a blast on Saturday. Good, big, big, very important week for Kentucky moving forward, but they answered the call last week as well. So um nothing but positive for me, Sean, as we wrap up.
1: Yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBB country. I'm gonna get that out there for this before this mic ends up in the floor. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> at least you're
0: not in your car. Like that at least at least we're not dealing with Wi-Fi issues. At least we're not dealing with any other nonsensical t- like at least we can make fun of you because of antics, not like a lack of content coming. So that was a blast, man. It was it was a lot of fun. Um it felt good to drive home uh with with Steven after a, a win for a change, because I don't think we've ever come home from a road trip with with a win. I think I, I was starting to think that he was the bad luck charm whenever we would go on these road trips. And then I would have to look because like, he's the he's the best of Kentucky fans and the worst of Kentucky fans because he is so unbelievably passionate. And every single drive home, like the game would end, it'd be a disappointing loss, and they go, damn, there's gonna be eight hours of Steven just just not being happy and just wearing his emotion on his sleeve. And it's gonna man, that's going to be a long car ride back. And I'm glad that it was, it was an amazing, like we, we, nothing but positivity. And it was, it was a great, uh, great, well-earned. We deserve that for, for a change. We, we deserved a, a hard fought win down there. So, Shout out the Cats for making that happen. You already know where to find Sean. You can find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Go subscribe to KSR+. Plus. We're having a blast over there. Community building day by day. Make sure you subscribe here if you're not yet. Why are you not? You are a fake fan if you are not subscribed right now. So make sure you do that. Like, keep commenting. Appreciate everybody joining us tonight. This has been a blast. We will see you hopefully with a hard-fought wind down in Baton Rouge on Thursday night. We'll see you then.